Namaste, Harjigil. That was maybe a little bit of a creepy way to start the podcast, but it's actually the inside of a music box. You kind of wind it up and it makes that wee tune. It's from uh, Mary Poppins. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Chiru. Um, I'm just dedicating that uh, little piece of a tune to Potter Gill, who was down in Cork visiting last week and we recorded a late night podcast that I'm not sure is ever going to see the light of day in any form of public platform uh, because of the unearthly hour that the podcast was actually recorded in but that we doodle box thing inside of a music box featured a couple of times in the podcast so thought it'd be a nice wee way to open up the episode today considering that more than likely the podcast that me and Pat recorded is never going to be heard the Rebel Matter studio at the minute is filled with the scented smoke of incense an incense that's called opium so it's my first time burning this smell of incense. I'm not sure what effect it's going to have on the podcast, but if things start going a wee bit haywire later on, then you know it's the opium incense. The preparation for this episode has been monumental. Woke up this morning, cycled in the filter on, uh, in Cork City Centre, got a bag of coffee came back made an aeropress and then I was listening to Gidge their track called Huldra the other version that's on Spotify and just absolutely zoned out to get into the form for doing this podcast I'm pretty pumped actually not pumped I feel like I'm in the zone it's just us today we're going to go on a wee podcast date together and I kind of felt like I was getting ready for a bit of a performance i don't know actually yeah i feel ready so if you want to go for a wee podcast trip with me just stay on board and we'll go for it there's a few shout outs to give this week first of all clean o'gallagher garmin omagat as um she knew suicide on patreon uh our our newest patron to the rebel matters podcast so garmin mila mila this week has been pretty funny uh, on Monday, uh, two friends of a friend, my friend Sora has sent two absolute space cadets down to me in Cork because they were starting to cycle around all the peninsulas peninsulas in the, the southwest of Ireland, Maeve and Edda, they both stayed in my gaff on uh, Monday night and then on Monday night we called in to Fergal in the corner house which is just a magical wee pub on uh, Coburg Street in Cork City Centre and we had the banter there and then the next day they went down to the bike shed rented a couple of bikes strapped all their gear onto the back of their bikes and headed off on their trip and cycled down to Skibbereen from Cork on their first day and in boiler suits and now they're currently making their way round uh that all those like sticky out bits at the bottom of Ireland and doing it bit by bit and by no means they I think 
I feel duty bound to say that Maeve and Etta are not cyclists and if I put the vibe out there that they were cyclists they'd probably ring up Rebel Matters HQ complaining they're doing it for the absolute banter two legends so just want to say like I'm more to the lads on that cycle Joe Kelly thanks a million for supporting the podcast uh, it's really great that you're listening and thanks also for sending the podcast on to other people Jonathan Pearson thanks a million for emailing me or sending me a message on Facebook and for the support for the podcast um, it's class I'm loving it I also want to send a really special message up to Belfast on this podcast episode to my ma whose birthday it is this weekend any of the positive traits that I have as an adult and everything that I've done in my adult life has been massively influenced by my ma and how she raised me and both my brothers Cara and Nisha and I think that the positive traits that we have as adults were largely handed down to us by our mum who raised us in West Belfast she moved into Belfast herself in 1983 when she was about 23 years of age when things were going less than ideally in Belfast and in the north in general she moved in from Dublin one of the earliest memories I have as a kid is standing up on top of my mum's feet and holding on to her hands while she was dancing around the room to the song the Bob Marley song Jammin and it's still one of my favourite songs <laughs> so I suppose they're kind of experiences that I know that we're all not blessed with and I just feel really grateful for being given those experiences and that kind of nurturing from a very young age. I think that a lot of the things that I like get the most enjoyment out of and the things that I, that I have as positive traits as an adult I got from my mum, for example, the love that I have for books. My, she was a librarian for many, many years and was bringing us books back from the library every week for a little bit of extracurricular activity. And I've got very fond memories of sitting in the sofa when I was five and six learning how to read properly with my mum bringing, bringing me through the, the pages of books and explaining how to pronounce words properly and everything like that. The respect that I have for people and how much I like connecting with people and being able to see the positive side of things, not judging people, making things work whenever the going is tough are all things that I got from my mum. And she got the three of us, myself, Cara and Isha, through primary school, secondary school, in the university, got us into music as well from a very young age. And I'm massively monumentally grateful for the opportunities that we were given and that I was given by my mum because of her hard work and her commitment to bringing us up in in a positive way she's also class on the concertina uh, a very kind and generous person and compassionate person and just happy to be able to take this wee second to appreciate everything that she's done for me and for the two lads as well. It's Gralling Hugamore, Mam, Tameg, Zulatu, Eglagalua, August, Bill, Brightla, Din, Ched, Skyogut. Right, let's get stuck into the 39th episode of the Rebel Matters podcast. Oh, shit, another thing, sorry, before we move on, Kneecap have a new song out called Hood. It's on Spotify at the minute and it is mental. Go to Spotify and 
stick it, just put it on. Here's a wee clip from it to get you warmed up. But after this podcast, listen to the podcast first and then go to Spotify and listen to Hood. It'll transport you into another dimension and get you pumped up for anything that you want to be pumped up for. Check this out. What about that? Unreal stuff, lads. Can you have a crew and caution? Stick that tune on Spotify after you've listened to this podcast, and then when you're going to bed, stick it on repeat and put it on silent so the lads get a wee bit of a royalty money from Spotify and find out where Kneecap are playing in the summer and go and check them out. It'll change your life. What else? Oh, so this week I was in Headway doing a wee bit of a talk about some of the work that we do. Headway is an organisation that uh, provides support for survivors of uh, stroke and acquired brain injury and they asked me to come in because we do quite a, a lot of work with uh, with people who have got um, acquired brain injuries in Ackley and they asked me to come in and have a chat with some of the people who are using the service there and actually it was a really nice opportunity for me to do that because the reason that we work with I suppose the, a lot of the reason behind the work that we do in general at Ackley is this was influenced by the personal circumstances that, that our family found ourselves in when um our dad had a major stroke in 2006 and since then it really sparked my interest in helping people who were recovering from traumatic incidents like that there or who were dealing with particular challenges in terms of their mobility and their strength and their day-to-day independence and over the last number of years we have really as we become known for working with people who aren't usually catered for in the sort of health and fitness area and because of the fact that the strength training that we do is so beneficial and provides or sort of like brings about really quite life-changing results whenever it's done properly we have built up a good reputation for doing that and Headway asked me to go in and talk to them. So it's a really nice opportunity whenever I get to go in and speak to people about what we do at Ackley because it kind of gets me to line up my thoughts on you know, what exactly, where exactly our approach comes from and the kind of it's a good opportunity to take stock and explain to people what we do and what we're doing is changing and evolving so every time I get to do one of these we talks it kind of clarifies things for me and it's like it's kind of like kind of um what oh, I don't want to say it it's sort of like a way of just rubber stamping what we've done between the last talk and the current talk and putting it out there and seeing what people's reaction reactions are to it and a really nice reaction to the one that I did yesterday. So I was thinking like it might be cool to maybe talk a little bit about the stuff that I was I was talking to Headway about, the people in Headway about with you guys, because it even though 
yes, the talk that I did with Headbay was kind of specifically geared towards the people who were in the room, which were mostly stroke survivors. But the way that I kind of work and the way that we work in Ackley is it is applicable across the board. That's the whole point of the approach, the strength and the movement training and the way that we work with people is built into a system and that we're testing the system in as many different places and in as many different circumstances as possible. People with all different levels of ability, people who are fully able-bodied athletes, people who are have major restrictions in terms of their personal mobility and what they can do for one reason or another, be it a medical condition or a traumatic incident like a car crash or something like a stroke that has had a, a physical and an emotional effect on on that person and I think that whenever people ask me what I do it's sometimes it's kind of like a hard thing uh, uh, aside from the Rebel Matters podcast that is the Rebel Matters podcast if, as you know if you're regular listeners is like the side hustle that I have on top of what I actually do for a full-on profession maybe podcasting will become a full-on profession sometime down the line but the last 15 years or so I've been fully engrossed in building a career as a strength and movement coach and in the last five or six years building Ackley as a training facility that's a, that's inclusive and available for all but it, it gives a different perspective on health like I don't know can I curse can I curse I fucking hate the health and fitness industry the way it is. And that's why Ackley (laughs) was born. When I think of commercial gyms and I think of the absolute nonsense that goes on in those places, it makes me kind of cringe and (sighs) gives me the shivers. When I think about someone who wants to go and use a place like that, if you're going in to start from scratch and you're going to start a bit of training or whatever, or you haven't been looking after your health as such, or for one reason or another, whatever the the case may be, if you want to just get fit again, then the likelihood is that that person, or you may be like a bit self-conscious, and the first thing you see when you walk into a commercial gym is a mirror, and then you've got a big pile of people in the same room, and they're all plugged into their headphones, watching screens on running on treadmills that aren't going anywhere, and no one's communicating, and it just seems counterintuitive to have so many people in the same room without any connection the nutrition approach is based on like supplements or this diet or that diet or come on come in and give me 20 press-ups and all that absolute bullshit and who wants that like uh, not me anyway i'm actually sorry now i don't mean to be disrespectful for anybody who does like that or who has benefited from being in that kind of environment but it's not for me and certainly I think that it's not really for the people that um, that train with us. And I'm not doing this podcast episode to promote Ackley. No, it, that's not what it's about. But I think that we have an approach to health and fitness that I would like everyone to have. Like I'm talking about stuff here that like are the, the philosophy behind what we do and putting it out on a podcast that's free for everyone to listen to. So people can copy it. Copy it if you want to. If you feel like you're out there and you're listening and you're working this area and you want to, you're picking up what I'm putting down, then you can just go and co- copy it. <laughs> so it's not like I'm like 
get, getting everyone to, to come in and only solely be with us. This is something that I really believe in and the rest of the crew are actually really believe in and what we're doing. Um, developing something that is much more than just a gym or a fitness facility. And sometimes I describe actually as a gym for people who really hate gyms. Some of the approach that that we have, well, first of all, there's four of us that are working there at the minute, myself, Batiste, Alan and Steph. And I think Alan deserves a particular shout out here. And because he he is a full-time wheelchair user, he has um, osteogenesis imperfecta, which is essentially like commonly known as brittle bone disease and he's had like 99 fractures in his life he plays wheelchair rugby for Ireland which is probably the most vicious sport that I've ever come across so for a person who breaks bones much more easily than the rest of us that seems like a mental sport to play but Alan is is a leader and a really good coach and as far as I know he's the only full-time wheelchair user that's a strength and conditioning coach coaching in a professional environment and coaching fully able-bodied people that I know of anyway and I think there's a lesson there for all of us in terms of Alan's approach and how he has built himself up to have the confidence to work with people who are real different in terms of their mobility abilities and and their capabilities in terms of moving around. And it also, there's a lesson there for us in terms of how we perceive people who have disabilities. And that's definitely something that I became more aware of after our dad had the stroke in 2006, how people sort of perceived him because of the fact that he was now in a wheelchair. How people perceive Alan as they walk into the gym and Alan has had to do a lot of work himself personally to put strategies in place to overcome people's perceptions whenever they come in to to Ackley first because it's probably just inbuilt in most of us that, that we have some sort of preconceived notion of what a person with a disability can and cannot do and a big part of the approach at Ackley but it's kind of like for me a philosophy of life not just a philosophy of how we run Ackley is that we're wanting to create the opportunities for everyone to participate on an equal basis on the basis of if someone like that people that Alan has the, the same opportunities to participate as a staff member or as a team member in Ackley that the people who come to Ackley all have the same opportunities to participate as members in terms of taking part in the training method that we've been developing over the last six or seven years or so or even more 10 years and I suppose that how that manifests itself is is providing opportunities like say the opportunities that Alan has had has has been the same opportunities that anyone else who works who's worked on on the team at Ackley has had the opportunities that people who train with us, regardless of where they're starting from, that they're able to participate with people 
everyone else who's training there on an equal footing. Not, for example, if somebody comes in with a spinal injury or is recovering from a brain injury or is a wheelchair user for one reason or another or walks a little bit differently or has some special requirements for their training that they're sent over into the corner to train in the disabled corner, quote unquote, but that people can train together. And there's always way more similarities we have way more similarities together than we have differences, regardless of where we're starting off from. And I know that I'm kind of framing this in the context of a person with a disability, but this is just a magnified version of how we all communicate with each other. We're, we're all different. If you walk past somebody on the street, they're, you're different from them, but we still have similarities. And I think that it's on that basis that we kind of work and actually to try and bring people together and do that we're doing it in the context of sort of physical training when we're doing the stuff in the gym we have the social stuff as well but there's an important thing that we work really hard on at Ackley to promote and it's not this is not just about physical ability it's not just about what you can do in the gym or how much weight you can lift it's about for me it's about and without like sounding too philosophical about it maybe it is philosophical (laughs) without i don't mean this to sound really airy fairy but what we're doing is is more about how we experience life in relation to each other than just how much you can lift in the gym our our training method is based on connection and there are three types of connections that really stand out for me whenever somebody is training with us and i'm saying this in in books on this podcast now and putting it out on the episode so that you can become aware of the possibilities around exercise or any sort of pursuit that you have and it also i think highlights some of the main flaws of um, the health and fitness world as we kind of know it as standard when you think about personal trainers in a commercial gym or you think about big classes or and things like that the three types of connections that, that, that we kind of really want to nurture are the three types of connections that I, that I think are really important to overall health are the connection between the person who's doing the training, the member, and the person who's doing the facilitation of the training session, the coach. And when you think about a commercial gym or the health and fitness world in general, and whenever I speak to people who come to Ackley, they, and I ask them, well, what have you tried before? A lot of the time they, they say, well, I did go to a gym before and I didn't like it. Um, because when I went in I was shown around the place on the first day and I was given a training program and I was sent off on my way and there's no connection there that's not a real human connection as such that's just someone giving you a list of exercises to do and then thereafter you're off to look after yourself and this applies across the board for people who are able-bodied and also people who are dealing with particular medical conditions or disabilities and especially people who are dealing with brain injuries actually because the one of the, the major side effects of having an acquired brain injury is uh, that your mood 
like there's there's um there can be like depression and stuff like that after having a stroke or a brain injury or acquiring a brain injury and sometimes you're feeling great and sometimes you're feeling like shit and a big part of what we do is building personal connections between the member and the coach so that if you feel like absolute bollocks one day then we can change what we're going to do it's not about having a program and fitting the member around the program it's about having a program and being able to change it being able to change the plan and being flexible and having a plan b and sometimes even a plan c and that comes from communication uh like verbal communication body language and just feeling the mood and asking questions and kind of being on the same level level as each other not not in the in the way that you you have in your head or I have in my head anyway when you when you have the the idea of a coach standing over somebody with a clipboard doing that there go down and get me 20 that's not communication that's something else um that I think is probably more negative than positive of course like people like sometimes people like to be shouted at but when you think about what's behind that it's basically the need that someone has to be pushed through and forced through something because they might not like it they might not see the point of it a lot of time there, there is no point to it our way of 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 coaching is is very much so about communication with the coach and with the member and you know what actually i've said this loads of times before but th- the way th- that i think this type of coaching should be done it it's a two-way system it's not the coach just telling the member what to do and this is so like clear to us at Ackley because we work at building relationships with our members all the time that's it's kind of like part of who we are as people and as an organization and the people that we work with give us as much as we give them like just say for example and this is just another magnified version of what happens with every single person but it's a good probably way to to make the example if you have someone who doesn't walk as easily as the rest of us for one reason or another let's just say somebody has cerebral palsy or someone has had a stroke and their left side isn't functioning as well and they walk with a bit of a limp and they have uh, it takes them a little bit longer to get from A to B then that ability to walk at the same speed or with the same sort of efficiency as the rest of us has been lowered but what happens when one ability is lowered is other abilities start developing beyond what what they would have developed to otherwise so people who have to deal with certain challenges day to day whether it be having to negotiate to getting down on the other side of the curb or crossing the road because they can't see properly or needing help to get out of bed have developed will bet a lot of the time develop qualities that they wouldn't otherwise have had the for example problem solving abilities the abilities to have empathy for other people and maybe because of the perceptions that people have of people with disabilities that the person with a disability is less likely to have negative or false perceptions about other people 
and be more open to getting to know the person rather than judging people on how they look or how they walk or how they talk. They're like, for me anyway, they're life skills that if you have them in abundance, you're you're doing well and you're going to be building relationships with people. So that, that first connection in that coaching context is so important to with between the coach and the member and the member and the coach. And the second connection then that I think is really important when we think about health in general is the connection between a member of a training facility and another member or a person and another person when they're in the context of doing the training or doing anything. And when I think about commercial gyms, and I, th- I mentioned that earlier, I think about loads of people in the same room and nobody's communicating with each other. And like, just think about that, like loneliness in this day and age, even though we're more connected right now, technically speaking, than we ever have been in the history of the human race, in the history of the universe, we're so connected with each other. Phones in our pockets, social media, every kind of social media. And social media obviously has has got its benefits and stuff like that. But we, despite being so connected, we have more loneliness now, I would say, and that's just me kind of surmising, but loneliness is a massive thing. And we have mental health problems in Ireland. And go back to the episode with John Fleming if you want to hear a little bit more on the mental health side of things. But when you think about it, like we're more connected than we ever have been. We're living on top of each other more than we ever have been. People are congregating in bigger groups than they ever have before. And yet we have this massive problem with mental health, with suicide, with loneliness. So being in the presence of other people isn't the cure for loneliness. Connecting with other people is what, for me, it's about. So when we're bringing people into Ackley, and if I'm working with people in a coaching setting, it's very important for me to bring those people together. Not that they're in competition with each other or trying to keep up with each other, but just so that we're all communicating on the same level. And again, it goes back to this sort of like magnified example of people who are dealing with disabilities, but it applies to all of us. If you're starting something new or you're doing something that you haven't done before or you've been self-conscious about how you look or have been thinking about yourself in a negative way, then sometimes you can feel left out, self-conscious and not a part of a community or a group. And personally speaking for me, like that member-to-member connection is a real good leveler in that people start to get to know each other a little bit and see that that thing that they're they are despite their differences way more similar than they are different and that creates a really positive environment when it comes to health in general and it's a connection that 
we work hard to to nurture. And I feel like it's important for me to say again that the point of this podcast episode isn't to promote Ackley, although obviously you're, you guys are free to go and check out our website and come in if you want to, if you're in Cork. But I think the reason I wanted to do this is I haven't really, haven't really verbalized this stuff in this sort of format before. And I really kind of believe in it. So if you're still here and you're still listening, like thanks a million for, for staying on board and for tuning into it because I think it is a different perspective on health in general. Health has been so commodified. Everything about it has been commodified just about when it comes to, especially when it comes to training in gyms, even the selling food supplements or nutritional supplements and selling programs that over promise and advertising that plays on our insecurities and is only really there to make a profit, but doesn't have that much value beyond the initial just going through the program or whatever. But for me, there's there's something much deeper there. And it, of course, like actually, it is like a business as such. So I can't say that um, making it a successful business is never a factor in what we do. It is, but we just have a certain set of values that we are happy to stick by and if that means making less profit or if it means that it doesn't work out then so be it but at least we can say that we did it in a way that was true to ourselves and these are some of the most things that I kind of hold in the highest regard when it comes to that the third type of connection that I think is essential to nurture when it comes to helping people with their health their fitness, their movement, their strength, their mobility, and all that kind of stuff, is our connections with our ourself, ourselves, the connection that you have with your own body, and how aware you become of what's happening in your body and in your mind as well at the same time. I mentioned before that I had was doing a, a course in mindfulness based cognitive therapy in Oxford University. I was flying over every fortnight to do the course days over there and in between the course days then there was a lot of kind of homework to do and I have to say the first couple of sessions that I did over in Oxford were I didn't do any of the homework I loved going over there and I loved just making my way over to Oxford getting the train down having a bit of time to chill out the night before the course is on and then Airbnb having a chat with the host, whoever was hosting the place or if it was just a empty place, just doing, catching up on a bit of work, going into the course the next day, meeting the people who are on the course, getting to know the tutors and then getting the familiar with some of the techniques, the meditation techniques and the mindfulness uh, exercises and stuff like that. But when I got back to, to Cork, I was just flat out and it was hard to integrate a mindfulness practice into my day to day kind of routine, but I finished the course now. About it must be about four or five weeks ago since the course finished, and since then I've really developed a daily meditation practice that ha- is helping me so much. It was like I think I got the tools from the course, and then over time I've, I've got to implement them. But it was also up in 
New Market on Fergus a few weeks ago with uh, my good friends Shiva, Jeremy Sheedy, and Connor Crimmins, and myself and Connor took a late night walk in the Mahan woods and did some breathing exercises and meditation together and that kind of really set me off on seeing the benefit of it and feeling the benefit of it and then wanting to integrate it in, into my life. The meditation that I've been doing is kind of connected with it, the Wim Hof method in a way. Wim Hof did a really good podcast with Russell Brand recently enough on um, Behind the Skin. Uh, I think that's what Russell Brand's podcast called and Anyway, you can check it out. And under the skin, sorry, under the skin. And they they did the meditation on the podcast and I followed along with it and it just got this really nice sense of calm afterwards. So ever since kind of the end, I've been doing it every day and it has helped me to build a more personal awareness of what's going on in my head, how the body's feeling. And that's something that we work really hard to integrate into our coaching if I'm working with some, someone, that's one of the main sort of goals of the whole thing is to build an awareness of how the body's feeling, how the mind is feeling, and then being able to sort of go from there, really. It's much more about doing what's right at the time rather than just doing something because that's what's written down on the page. And over time, in terms of health, I think that that benefits us a lot. It's definitely benefited me, and I can see for for sure that it's benefited the people who have been training at Ackley all over the last number of years. So there are the, the three types of of connections. The connection between the member and the coach, or the client and the coach. The connection between the the member and other members, and the connection between or, or say the connection between a trainee and another trainee, two people who are training at the same time, and then the connection between our, ourselves and ourselves, the inner connection, which is probably one, you know, that's probably the most obvious one for me anyway. And finding something that helps us connect with ourselves is probably one of the most valuable things that we can do really. Another thing that, that I started that I did recently this week, and actually probably it's probably a product of, of some of the meditation and stuff that I've been doing, but I cleared a wee space in my room and I've got this kind of table in the corner of the room. I'm looking at it right now actually. And I cleared the stuff away from it and there's some stuff on it now, but there, it's only stuff that can be used for creativity. There's a wicker basket with colouring in pencils, sharpies, my flute is there, there's a glockenspiel, a chessboard, a little letter writing kit that I have for just like being able to write people letters with envelopes and paper, there's my five minute journal, there's a couple of kind of uh, with those kind of like notebooks, le like we leather back notebooks that you can like uh, moleskins and a sketch pad and some paper and a book that I'm reading at the minute. Oh, it actually has right now it has the opium, opium smelling incense on it and <laughs> a book that I'm reading at the minute that I got a lend off from uh, my mate Lisa O'Flynn called Their Little Kingdoms by Kevin Barry and it's like a wee step into 
a different world when I'm reading that book at the minute. So that's on the table. And I don't know how I started speaking about this, but oh yeah, sorry, the th- making things that, that help you connect with yourself. Definitely all the stuff on that table helps me connect with myself, zone out a little bit. And music is another one. As I was saying earlier, I've been kind of a little bit obsessed with Gidget at the minute and putting it on the headphones or on the speakers and just laying beside it or laying down on the ground and just zoning out has been really nice and it's actually been using I've been using that music recently to get myself into sort of a creative state of mind where I can come up with a plan to for the, for example that's what I did before I went off and did the talk with Headway the other day just put that put that music on zoned out for a while and made some notes as things were coming into my head and I did it before this podcast to try and get myself into a nice wee flow state for you and how long have I done now? See, whoa, we're nearly 40 minutes on the go now and still talking. Uh, if you're still here, thanks for hanging on. So, where are we going to go from here? I think another person I'd like to give a shout out to, because that's kind of how I got into, um, it was the connection with Eddie Hennessy, is, who's been on the podcast, one of the earlier episodes a really good friend of mine who I met on on one of the first weeks of me living in Cork way back in 2010 or something like that there at this rate met each other in a session in Chennai got chatting and it was just before his two year anniversary of having a stroke and he was going to cycle 100 miles and he asked me would I come along with him and I was delighted to do that and Eddie is someone who I look up to massively because of his attitude to life and it's something that I think I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone when I say this, but I know that say from speaking with Eddie that this is the kind of feeling they get from him. And I also get the same feeling from my dad, Garage, who actually incidentally was on the podcast as well recently enough, a couple of episodes ago. It's Ask Yuliga or Noya because I've actually never spoken in English to, to my dad. And, um, so. Uh, the natural thing was to do it in, in Irish so if you've got the Gaelic go back and listen to that episode there but w- when my dad had a stroke in 2006 and they, I don't know I don't know if I kind of said this on the podcast before I'm not sure if I have but I was working in Australia and um, for a, a, an Aussie rules team called the Adelaide Crows f- professional team and it was um, out there for the year or whatever and he had the stroke on the 31st of July 2006 and then I uh, flew back was flying back and when I was in London he was actually pronounced dead it was, it was around midday on the 31st of July 2006 and he was given the last rites we went down had the meeting to donate the organs got the funeral arrangements on the go I went up to St Paul's pitch the GA club that played a big part of my life from a very early age I actually don't even know where me or where I would be without the club and what they did for me and a lot of my friends and lots of other young people in the area when we were kids but anyway I went back up there it's kind of like going it's kind of like going home for me I went up and I was pucking around on the field just by myself and people were coming up to me going like sorry to hear about your dad and oh it's terrible and 
it's good to see you back here. Uh, I was sad to see you're back under such sad circumstances and all. And then at this stage, I've been traveling for two days, basically getting back from Australia. And I was lucky because of the fact that the Adelaide Crows obviously had a lot of connections with the airlines and stuff. Were able to get me on a really fast flight out of Adelaide, but I left a lot of stuff in Adelaide and uh, had made some really good friends out there. And it was kind of just like being ripped out of something that was really nice, but just being ripped out of it really fast. I'm still friends with some of the people that I met over there. We shout out to David Binney that I worked with and became good friends with and actually met up with again when I went back over there for a visit in 2011. But anyway, I was flying back and we were in London and my Aunt Claire picked me up at, or met me at the at the airport in Heathrow or somewhere like that and then he was pronounced dead, did all this stuff, went up to St Paul's, went back down to the hospital about five o'clock and I remember just sitting in the canteen having a cup of tea with someone else, one or two of us from the family and my aunt Christine legged it in to the canteen and she was kind of like shouting, he's alive, he's alive and I was just thinking to myself, Christine needs to go home and have a bit of sleep or something because we've all been awake for a long time and just maybe like losing the plot a little bit. Sorry, Christine, if you're listening to this. That's what I thought at the time. But anyway, what had happened was that my dad had been in an induced coma or kind of sedated whilst I was making my way back from Australia. And they say that you have this like pressure between your skull and your brain intercranial pressure and I don't know the exact figures but I think that we're all walking around with roughly 13 uh, number of pressure in in our intercranial in our intercranial pressure if you if it goes up over 30 you're basically your brain is getting smashed to pieces because it can't handle the pressure and it's not going to be able to survive and my dad's was like 64 I remember it just sticks out so they were like there's no way a brain can survive in this in this environment and at this stage, he'd had a few operations on his head, and on his brain and stuff. And whenever they started taking him off the sedation, the nurse, as a kind of a standard test, was just holding his right hand, being like, Garage, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And then he started squeezing the nurse's hand. And he's like, squeeze my hand if you can hear me. And he kept doing it. And then I'd say the nurse nearly had a stroke himself. When that started happening, and they, they re-sedated him, the surgeon, the brain surgeon, had a meeting with our whole family. He like had his tie off, like pulled down, his like buttons were open. He was like, "I don't know what happened." He's like, "This I've never seen this before." And it's about fifteen of us in a tiny wee family room in the just attached to the intensive care unit in the Royal Victoria in uh, Belfast. And uh, he's like, "He's like this man is going to make a recovery. He can, he can hear first of all. He can interpret." the message in his brain and he can initiate a response by squeezing the hand. He's like, this man's not going to wake up to be a vegetable. He's going to make a recovery and have a life after this. And through the jigs and the reels anyway, he uh, was resedated, stayed in intensive care for ages, actually ended up getting the MRSA bug, which nearly killed him again. But as McGranny said on quite a few occasions around that period of time, that he was always a contrary wee bugger and uh other people were saying that it was hard to get rid of a good thing and then actually it was in Cult of Lamb, Adam O'Fake one day queuing up 
to get a cup of tea and I was standing beside Jerry Adams who goes to me, could you remember at how Lazarus like Janu? How's Lazarus doing? I'm not really up on my Bible stories, but I think Lazarus came back from the dead. But anyway, as the months progressed and the years progressed and, and he started doing his rehab and the goal was always to walk again. And Actually, a nice bit of the story is that my dad and his long-term partner, Breeds, got married on the 31st of July the following year, which was a miracle in itself that he was there to be able to do that. But it's probably the same with a lot of people who go through something that changes their level of mobility or how personally independent they are, that you want to get that independence back. So the goal was always to be able to walk again and the severity of the stroke like it wiped out the left ho- the whole left hand side of his body it's, it was essentially decommissioned and he had to start using a wheelchair an electric wheelchair which he uh, christened Michael Collins because it was a stepping stone to independence with full independence to come at a later date and between the jigs and the reels when he was doing his physiotherapy the left hand side wasn't coming back to function and the reason I started kind of talking about this was that at some somewhere along the line he accepted that this was how it was going to be and I get that sense in many ways from Eddie as well even though I know like that the recovery is an ongoing process it's always going to be there but when something like this happens, there is a certain amount of acceptance. And after that, then my dad started, it was as if he had a new life. It was as if he, his old self did actually die and pass away. And the new self then was born, which opened up all the possibilities of kind of, in a way, starting life again in a different form. Oh, actually, on that note, I started reading another book called Some. Uh, I don't I can't see it here beside me, but I don't know who what the author's name was. But it's basically about it's a a book of a small book of short stories about the, the all the different possibilities of the afterlife and what might be happening in the afterlife. Obviously, none of us know what happens in the afterlife because nobody's ever come back to tell us. But I suppose that book is, in a way, it's a metaphor for our current lives. And using the afterlife as a metaphor for life at the minute. That's kind of the vibe I got from it anyway. But that that sort of acceptance of how things are now in that ex- in, in extreme circumstances for Eddie and for my dad as well. And um I hope I'm not like talking out of turn using these examples, but it was a really big lesson for me to accept how things were in life in general because at the end of the day, like there are certain things you can control and there are other things that you can't control. And getting freaked out about the things that you haven't got any control over can't be good for your head. It certainly isn't good for my head. And I know that there are certain things that I, that I, that I have got a measure of control over or a, a measure of perceived control over that when I focus on them, just things things are happier and 
get more done and enjoy more things want to do that so I suppose that, that, that it's another it's probably a theme of this podcast now of this episode that we're talking about examples that are magnified in, in circumstances that are extreme compared to what most of us go through and that there's lessons there to be taken and it's not to make this episode like a preachy one I guess I'm kind of talking from a personal perspective more than anything else definitely not telling anybody what to do uh, <laughs> definitely not doing that um, but the whole thing about the training in the gym there's a as I mentioned earlier it's sometimes hard for me to verbalize what we do and uh, properly if somebody asks me you know it's not like say someone says what they do and then someone says well i'm a builder or i'm a solicitor because i could sometimes i say oh, i run a gym in cork city but i think that does pops up certain images in people's heads there's a helicopter outside the house right now i don't know if you can hear that but it's a uh, red outside the window and claiming we do probably I mean we do run a personal training facility in Cork City and we do help people with their strength and movement but it's very different to a standard kind of place and there's a there's a series of claymations on YouTube called Pulling the Devil by the Tail I've been watching it for the last 10 years and every time I watch it it's just it's probably the funniest thing I've ever watched in my life Um, not to be building it up too much but there's six of them go and watch them and uh watch them <laughs> it'll be a good laugh they're, they're, it's based around a band called Stocious that are made from clay the series was made by Stephen McCollum I think the first episode came out in around 2003 and then the subsequent five episodes came out around 2009 which wasn't long before I actually first came across them the first time I found these uh, claymations was when I was living with Joe McGinley, who I've got a podcast episode with here. If you go back a few episodes and we were living together in Cork and we just kind of randomly found them on YouTube and we've been watching them ever since and laughing our bellocks off every time we see them. So if by any chance, Stephen, you're listening to this, thank you very much for giving Paul and the Devil by the Tail to the universe and feel free to make some more episodes. It's actually comic genius. I want to play a little clip for you from the first episode of Paul and the Devil by the Tail where the punk folk band Stocious run into the devil and between the jigs and the reels the devil asks the band to play them a song or he's going to banish them to hell for all of eternity and one of the guys in the band Pocket Rider goes to the devil I hear playing songs listen to this here why did you kill my goat hey that was my goat kill you and take your souls and burn them in the ditches of hell for all eternity what do you think about that that's bad well, buy it you good if it's that important to you you're some musicians aren't you aye I'll tell you what sing me a song I haven't heard a decent song in a hundred years if I like it I'll let you go. How about that? Aye. Aye. Good. I hate playing songs. We need to be more drunk. Get it together, lads.
We need a tin whistle. Just fucking play. So sometimes when people ask me what I do, <laughs> and I say, oh, I'll run a personal training facility in uh, Cork, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you all into your fitness and all, and your exercise. And I'm like, I hate doing exercise. And in a way, that's kind of a joke because I love doing movement. I love um, helping people with their body, moving and uh, getting new skills and learning how to train, becoming more connected with our bodies and all that kind of stuff. I love that. that that's, that's like, that's my trip. Like, I like doing that. And it's it's what I do as as a profession. But for me, like health and how we how we give ourselves time to work ourselves time to work on our health is much much deeper than just doing some exercise or being in an exercise class. And I suppose that's kind of where the the the, the other stuff that we do around actually comes from, which which this has had a mention on the podcast a couple of times, um the long table lunches the next one's on the 5th of may which is a sunday so check that out on facebook and come down to it but the long table lunch is basically a really long table that we put down the middle of the gym i'm going to hopefully do the the one in may outside if the weather is nice we'll get a dj in usually darren kelly who's spinning vinyls for us we bought a massive big green egg which is we used as a pizza oven the last time we had one banged out about 30 40 pizzas the event is totally free people are interacting together sharing food having stories having crack it's a family friendly event and that for me is a massive part of of the bigger picture because you have all all these people coming together people who maybe don't know that many people in cork if they've just moved here or people who don't get the opportunity to socialize because of their their work or their family situations or whatever are coming together we've got the book club which meets on the last thursday of every month and this time at the minute what we're doing is you can borrow any of the books from the library at ackley we have a small library down in the back in the social room and you can trade books with other people in the book club and we'll bring them back on the last thursday of every month and start again and it's a nice wee informal and no pressure way of getting together and talking about books that we like to read and then we have movie nights which are on every so often and all those things contribute to the overall approach that we have and for me like they're as important as the exercise part really so yeah that's that's it that's uh, that's what we do hopefully you're still here if you are like Um I'm going to finish up I think a couple of things to, to tell you about before we finish first of all you might know that we're looking to open a gym in Palestine this year in the West Bank so there's going to be a lot of events coming downstream in the next few weeks and months to fundraise for that there you can go to gofundme.com forward slash West Bank gym to find out more about the project and how you can support it and when you see the events coming up come down for sure I think the big one's going to be the gym jam on the 20th of July 2019 which will be the second gym jam that we had last year's one was immense and what else is happening the next long table lunch is on the 5th of May so come down to that that's going to coincide with the street feast initiative which is all over Ireland and we're just going to have really good crack and really nice food, really nice people. Hopefully nice weather so we can do it outside as well. There's the Patreon account, which is off the ground eventually. Thanks 
um, million to the people who have supported the podcast on Patreon and as well, thanks a million for the people who have sent me in messages messages of support. And the podcast is getting listened to all over the world. It's mad. Like I know, like I've worked really hard to get the quality of the sound right here and increase the improve the quality of the sound and stuff. And invested in nice equipment over the last couple of years when I've been building up to doing the podcast. But I'm sitting in my bedroom here in Cork, I'm looking out the window at the River Lee, and we're here together. It's it's class. So, thanks a million for just being a supporter of the podcast and for sharing it around on your social media. If you want to support the podcast in another way, you can just share it around your social media and give it a five-star rating and a wee review wherever you're listening to it. It's available where all the sweet podcasts live. Podcasts I've kind of been listening to myself. I've been listening to uh, Russell Brand's Under the Skin podcast. Um, I've listened to most of the Blind Boy podcasts. I'm listening to Scroobius Pip at the minute, his podcast Distraction Pieces, and he has he's involved in another really good one called Say Why to Drugs with a co-host, and they basically go through one sort of like drug, whether that be a legal one or an illegal one, and sort of like deconstruct it. Uh, I've listened to Startup. The first couple of series of series of the podcast Startup by Gimlet Media is really cool. If you're interested in starting a business or you're working on a business yourself that you want to improve that's a really nice one to, to listen to as well and what else is there that I've been listening to I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast every now and again but the only I kind of pick pick the ones that I want to listen to uh, the, oh the Critter Shed uh, <laughs> the Critter Shed is a podcast that uh, was by a guy called Cully who was on the Blind Boy podcast and I've been listening to that. It's like about insects and things. Guy from Dublin. Uh, the Critter Shed is based up there and that's well worth a listen. And oh, here. My brother Carra got me and Margaret for sending this podcast my way but I listened to a podcast by Sam Harris. Sam Harris's podcast is called Making Sense with Sam Harris and episode 152 is called The Trouble with Facebook. I listened to that last week and it was a game changer. I don't even know what else to say about it, but just go and listen to it. I've changed, it's changed my perspective on sort of my online privacy, the notifications that I'm getting on my phone. And I've been trying to not use my phone as much because especially in the last few months where the podcast kind of taken off a bit, Ackley's really busy. I'm trying to get promotion done for the West Bank gym project and I've been on social media way more but like it sucks you in it just sucks you in like little red notification dots flying up all over the place and you know kind of like uh, triggers the primal sort of gratification system or something inside your brain where you're getting that little hit of endorphins every time you see those notifications and um, I've kind of gone through phases with my phone and the social media I kind of I find myself going through phases where I'm like I'm just like checking my phone too much it's there I have it on me all the time and then I get to the stage where I'm like oh fuck I was like right here I need to get rid of my phone for a while and um, I'll just like turn off all the notifications delete the apps but really see this time around see from doing the meditation and building up that 
a bit more mindfulness and a bit more awareness of how I actually want to spend my time in a day. It's definitely not looking at people's social media posts or getting hit with advertisements all the time. And social media is good in some ways. Like, and I use it to connect with people and I like keeping up with the stuff that my friends are doing and it's good to get pieces of news and stuff. But the other hand, then it becomes kind of like an echo chamber where you're just selectively seeing the things that you want to see because of the fact that you and all your mates are probably all talking about the same stuff. But um, for me, I guess I'm kind of coming to the realization that I want to spend my time doing more productive things, getting to know my friends or spending time with family more, making connections or doing something kind of creative or getting stuck into doing stuff like this podcast as well and um, building Ackley onto the next level. And probably a big part of trying to get myself away from the social media as much has been to doing stuff like setting up that little creativity zone in my room where I know there's, I'm looking at it now, I can see all the stuff there and I'm going to finish this podcast soon and go and play a few tunes on the flute and maybe read a letter or something like that to somebody and put it in the post. Who doesn't like getting letters? I feel like writing letters should be something we could maybe bring back into fashion. Like, it's like a nice, meaningful way to communicate with someone. Sit down and give them a bit of time and put some thought into writing a wee note. I posted a couple of notes yesterday, a couple of letters in the post. Uh, just get yourself a wee roll of stamps, some writing paper, maybe a nice pen, some envelopes, and then just write a letter someday, write, write to someone that you maybe haven't heard from for a while or haven't been in touch with. Anyway. It's a bloody beautiful day down here, so I'm gonna go and do that stuff. And thanks a million for listening to the podcast. It's, it's over an hour. This is the longest podcast that I've done by myself. And as I said, like the prep, I did a nice bit of preparation to get myself kind of ready for this chat. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I could probably keep on talking here. Actually, we could talk about books, maybe a little bit. Let's talk about books. I love books, so. I've got books in my room at the minute. Oh, actually, sorry. That book sum that I mentioned, I can see it now. It's in my room. Two seconds. Stay there. Fun and shit. It's by David Eagleman. Some Tales from the Afterlives. Very short and game changer of a book that I also got from Lisa Flynn. So, Garamila Margaret. We're actually going to send this book on a flipping cosmic trip. I wrote into it that I read it in a, on the, the 5th of April, two thousand and. 19 i'm going to pass it on to the next person who kyle who's going to read it and write his name on he's going to pass it on see how see how far it gets so i've got a pile of books i'm actually i've been trying i made a new year's resolution this year not to buy any more new books because i was just buying them and the pile was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger but books that i've read this year so far i've got the red pile up there uh unconventional medicine Chris Cresser, Roddy Doyle, Smile. Uh, what else is up there? Um, Mr. Nice. Then, oh, How to Be Free with Tom Hodgkins, which was a nice one. And a couple more. I've got the pile that I'm going to read. I've got one that my mate Camilla gave me a lend off called Milkman by Anna Burns. I've got one called The Power over there that. 
I also got a lend off. I've got a book about co-ops, cooperatives called Helping Ourselves, Stephen King on writing, Nile Rogers' autobiography, The Hurricane that I got for Christmas. And it's been class swapping books as well is a nice thing. I used to use a Kindle, but then I realized that I couldn't give the Kindle books to anybody in the same way. So I just started um, started getting the books again and say, I don't mind buying secondhand books, but I'm going to get through this pile anyway. And I was gifted a really nice book uh, called The James Connolly Reader. I've loads of James Connolly's reading, so I'm going to read that as well. That was given to me by uh, Maeve and Edda, Edda who uh, stayed at the cafe on Monday, who are cycling around. Anyway, anyway, we've done enough. Thanks a million for listening to the Rebel Matters podcast, as usual. These are absolute legends. Um, come back next week and get in touch with me if you have anything to say. And, Shanae. Uh, so, enjoy yourselves. Be nice to each other and see us next week. Thank you for it. <laughs>